Well, good morning, church. Wow, okay. Some of you, it's maybe not so good, I guess, right? Let me try it again. Good morning, church. Good morning, yeah. All right. Just making sure we're all, all ready to roll here. We're starting a new sermon series. Many of you enjoy taking pictures with your phones. You pull them out and you take pictures and you post pictures. And, and you, but here's the thing. Some of you look at those pictures and think, wow, that is an incredible picture. The lighting and, and the angle and, and, and everything to that picture is amazing. And it's like, for some of us, we understand how they got that amazing picture. One, technology really helps develop good pictures today. Two, there's things called filters. And these filters uh, help us maybe get that color and maybe help us get that angle. These filters maybe change the outlook of something that was really dark is now lighter and something that was off color is now really brilliant in color. Oh, what filters can do, right? But in life, we do the same thing. We try to filter out all the stuff that's going on in our lives. And we want to make everybody believe that the holidays are incredible, right? It's more like this. This is sort of what our unfiltered life looks like. Right in the middle, let's just crop everything else out that's messy, right? Because we know all around us there are things that are always going bad. There's things that are mishaps, things that are like, if I could just sort of not show everybody else what's going on in my life right now, then I'll have all these likes and all these people looking and complimenting me and my family. And so that's what we do, right? Well, truth is, there are filters that really don't remove all the stuff that's going on in our lives. And so instead of cropping and applying filters to our life, this is what we're going to do over the next six weeks. We're going to take God's word. I'm going to let that be the filter in our life. And this sort of unfiltered Christmas means let's, let's throw away all the uh, uh, cliches and things that we may use to make it look like our holidays are awesome. And let's ask God to help come into our life as we deal with things that, that come our way. Um, I would love to have a filter that takes away hurt, a filter that takes away pain, a filter that glosses over everything, but we just don't really have that. So what we do have, though, is an amazing God that we just sang about. And so let's ask him to come and help us fix the broke, broken parts of our life, kill the hurts in our lives, sort of clean up the mess and give us the peace that we need to make it through the holidays and uh, that's the kind of unfiltered Christmas we want to have. So we will, we will head into that the next few weeks. And we'll sort of start today with the first thought. And that is this. I want you to go back to when you were a kid. And if you're a kid in here, okay, um, you're going to recognize this, okay? Parents, go back. Grandparents, go back. And I want to think about when you're a child. And uh, maybe you went somewhere and somebody gave you something. They put something in your hand and you're like, and right away, your parents are sort of hovering over you, sort of leaning and saying, what do you say? Remember that moment? You know, they, they gave you, they put something, you're like, oh, thank you. You know, it's in your mind. You're thinking it, right? You haven't said it yet. And your parents are like, what do you tell the kind man or the nice lady, right? They're looking for those two magic words. Now, maybe as a parent, you've, you've had to coach your kids up on this, too. You're sort of like, <clears throat> What do you tell them? What do you say, right? You always know exactly what's, what's the words we're looking for. Thank you. Two simple words. Thank you and please. There we go. So the big thank you is that's what it comes in. We're like, where's the thank you at? We're waiting for that moment, right? Maybe you've had to cho- tell your children the same thing. You've coached them up. They know now that when something is given to them, the proper and the right thing to do is to show some kind of gratitude. And to say thank you. 
And when you don't say thank you, as a parent, you walk away like, why didn't you? You, know, you sort of build up, right? We know something's missing, right? We just, we just know something's missing. Saying thank you is like it's an expected thing. We expect it to have somebody does something for you, and that person, whoever did it for you, even though they're not calling on it, they do expect thank you. And then if you don't say thank you, if you don't show gratitude, then something happens like within that person and they're like thinking, something wrong with me? Did, did I do something wrong? But they didn't say thank yous. Is there, is there an issue here between us and this other person? And all of a sudden we're starting to wonder if there's a problem between us because we didn't say or hear thank you. And it actually stings a little bit. Because why? We were expecting gratitude. We were expecting somebody to show us thanksgiving. And when again, when it doesn't happen, something must be wrong. Now, the person who received it and didn't say thank you, guess what? They're not thinking that. You might be thinking, is there something wrong? And they're sitting over here going, hey, I got something good. They're not even on the same wavelength as you. You follow what I'm saying? Now, last week, it was a last-minute request. We came to the church and said, hey, um, if you could, it would be great if you could uh, donate some canned goods, some fruits and veggies. Uh, we've got a food pantry. If you were to go back into the, the back room out these side doors here, uh, matter of fact, that's where we're going to be having uh, the taco dinner today. Uh, when you go through, you're going to see a wall. It's covered up with a big purple divider. Behind that divider is, is a food pantry, okay? And this is sort of what the shelves look like uh, with the food on it. And we knew, uh, we get our, a lot of our food from the Toledo Food Bank, and um, they've been running low on canned goods. And so we have been running low on canned goods. So we put the request out, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, your generosity in bringing in those canned goods, and you're like, oh, we missed it. It's okay, you'll have another opportunity. Um, those canned goods filled the shelves. And we knew this last Thursday was going to be big uh, because we're not open this Thursday because of Thanksgiving. Every Thursday, 11 to 1, anybody can come in and get a warm meal. And then twice a month, people can get a big box We'll take them through the shelves and we help them shop. We sort of, sort of say it's not really shop. We like give them a couple things of each. And they walk out with a big box of food. But we knew this Thursday was going to be big. And it was our biggest ever. We had actually 62 people, uh, individuals and families, come through to get a box. Now, there's more people that came to eat. We had set up six tables in there, eight chairs at each. It's 48, right? And then we set up a seventh table, then an eighth table, and then a ninth table. Um, and it was like... A lot of people come through. And so thank you for giving because, again, we believe as a church we're here for a reason. We're here to worship God, but we're not done with just worshiping God. Let's go love others. How can we love others? This is one of the ways that our church loves others. And so when you give this church, this is what you do. When you, when you put money in the blessings box back there, you help fund the ministries we do, you know, Pastor Paul talked about two pots, grades 6 to 12. This is what it looked like last Wednesday in this room, filled up with 6 and 12 graders, okay? Um, 
when you give to this church, it isn't just like paying for electric bills or staff or whatever. You are funding ministries. You are helping pay off the debt on this building. You are helping uh, give to missions. We take 10% right away out of the blessings box and we give to missions. Our missionaries, mission funds, uh, other people that need help, the food pantry. And so as you give, we take that to go help others. So I want to thank you for what you do in giving because it helps us do what we're doing. Um, So again, two key words. Thank you. You know, Pastor's Appreciation Month came, and and again, you showed thanks to us as a staff. And it's hard for us to go around individually to every single person. Thank you, thank you, thank you for thank you for your, your your kindness, your love that you expressed to us. And so we put in a bulletin, I believe, and said thank you, and we announced it from the pulpit, thank you. Uh, and I feel sometimes that there seems to be more that we need to do and how we show our gratitude back to you. But I want to let you know as a church staff, we do feel appreciated. So thank you again for your love expressed to us. Thank you for how you serve. Yesterday at Brenda's funeral, um, people were here serving, doing a sound booth, doing worship. Um, she had planned out her funeral months in advance. And she had all these songs that she wanted sung, and she wanted our worship team to do it. And then we had people that brought food and people that served food and people that cleaned up. Uh, it, was, it was an all-out effort to make the day happen. And so thank you. It was like nobody signed up so that they could get paid to come here and do something. You, you served. You volunteered. So again, I, I want to say thank you. Um, publicly, you need to hear that. You know, but sometimes, sometimes we don't hear the thank you. Uh, There are moments when people don't show gratitude. Uh, There are times when you're expecting thanks and you just don't hear it. Siblings, spouse, family members, maybe uh, somebody who cooks, somebody who teaches, a coach, nurses, doctors. Uh, We can go through a big list of people who need to hear thank you and they probably never get that thank you, do they? Let me throw one out. I was thinking of, this is the person who probably never hears it enough, but custodians. How often do custodians hear, hey, thank you? You know, and I walk through a lot of schools, and I see a lot of clean hallways. And every now and then you might see a little paper piece of trash over in the corner. It makes you think, oh, somebody must have came through after the custodian did, and they just threw it down instead of hitting the trash can two feet away, you know. And, and, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, when it comes to all the sweeping and the cleaning and the scrubbing of the toilets, and oh yeah, and if somebody pukes, who gets to clean it up? The custodian. Yeah. How often do we tell our custodians thank you? We often try to remind students like, hey, know your custodian by first name and make sure you thank them often. Because they matter. They really do. And I'm sure there's times when custodians are walking around and they look at the school and they're like, there's a probably a thought that goes through their mind. This is it. This is the thanks I get. <laughs> I clean this place up and you just mess it up again. You know, How many times have you have a parent said that? You cook meals. You drive kids everywhere, right? You do all these different things. And, uh, and pretty soon you're like, you're waiting for that thank you. And you don't hear anything. You're like, this is the thanks I get. You know? Maybe you don't verbalize it. Maybe you just think it sometimes, right? But here's what happens. When we don't say thank you, our relationships with people do this. Because I was expecting a thank you, 
but I didn't get one. So now I'm feeling this way. Does that make sense? It's, it's amazing what happens when there's a lack of, of gratitude. We may not realize it, but those unspoken expectations that we have when they aren't met, our relationships sort of go the opposite direction. We feel disappointed. And that disappointment soon turns to a little, maybe a, be a bitter, maybe a little bit, right? You may even feel compelled to, I'm not going to do anything for them in the future. They never show me thanks, so why should I do this for them, right? Understand that gratitude and ingratitude can determine the attitude of a relationship. That sounds like a great bumper sticker, doesn't it? Your gratitude and ingratitude can really determine the attitude of a relationship. Gratitude will increase the depth of a relationship. Ingratitude can decrease the depth of a relationship. And I want to show you this. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, we're going to look at verses 11 to 19. It's a story that when you ever talk about Thanksgiving, this is the one we sort of get referred to. There are so many moments in the Bible that says, give thanks, give thanks. I give thanks to the Lord. You know, we, we see that a lot, but there's a, there's a story here in which we see Thanksgiving. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. It says this, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Oh, let's stop. Now, I think we've talked about this before, about Galilee, the Jews, and the Samaritans, Samaria, okay? And the ill will they had towards each other. The anger they had towards each other. They were enemies. Oh, you're a Jew. Oh, you're a Samaritan. Oh, you're a Wolverine. Oh, you're a Buckeye. Oh, did that just come out? Um... We understand what borders are. We understand what sometimes how we can sort of pit ourselves against each other. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, next week's the big game, right? Just be praying at 4.30 next Saturday after the game because there's going to be a wedding right here with a Wolverine and a Buckeye getting married together. And I'm just praying that all goes well. Amen? Yeah, okay. So... We understand how sometimes, and I'm from Indiana, so I just love watching it all, okay? But we understand the, the, the rivalry that can take place. So I want you to understand what's going on here. Jesus is walking along the border between Galilee and Samaria, okay? And he enters a village there. It goes on to say, Ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them, and he said, Go show yourselves to the priest." And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was from Samaria. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to this man, Stand up. Go, your faith has healed you. Now, I want you to notice that these leprosy-infected men, they were in a dire situation. They're rejected. They are lonely. They are outcasts. And they yell at Jesus from a distance. They're all from away. And they just yell out to me, Master. And they scream out to me. And typically, most of the stories we ever read in the Scripture are what? Jesus touched the blind man. The woman touched his clothing, his robe, right? We always see physical touch. We see a closeness in a lot of healings. This story, 
they're at a distance. And they yell out to Jesus. And there's no touch. There's no handshake. There's no, hey, let me examine your condition by Jesus in this moment. But from a distance, Jesus looks at them and gives one single command. Go to the priest and have him check you out, right? That's it. Nothing like, you're healed. Hey, just a second, let me come over and touch you. It was just a yell back. Hey, go see the priest. He'll take care of you, right? And it was one of those moments when you look at this and you think, that was sort of weird. Because they're asking for mercy. You know what mercy is? Not getting what you deserve. He gave them grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. They cried out. He shows compassion. They followed the command of Jesus. We're going to go to the high priest. And, and this is what you do when your leprosy goes into remission or you're healed of it. You go to the priest. He looks at you and he says, you're no longer an outcast. You are no longer rejected. You are no longer uh, uh, unable to go to the temple. You can go to the temple now. You can go worship. You can go back to your family. But here's the thing. That rarely happened. See, if, if I got news that I had leprosy back then, basically I'm getting news that I've got stage four cancer and I've got like months maybe. That's the kind of news that that was. So when Jesus is saying, go to the priest, show them yourself, really, what's going on in their mind? It's like, (laughs) we're dead men walking right now. And there's really no sense. But they got up, they obeyed, and they started walking. And as they start walking, Scripture says that as they went, it says, or on their way, they were healed. They were 10 dying men. They were done with life. Let me hear you say all 10. One more time, all 10. You see, all 10 of them were listening to the command of Jesus. All 10 of them obeyed the command of Jesus. All 10 of them got up and walked towards the direction of the priest. All 10 were healed as they walked. All 10 were continuing in excitement when they immediately realized we're healed. All ten were like joyful and thankful. Only one turned around and came back. I believe all ten were thankful, but not all ten expressed their gratitude to the one who helped them. Think about that. When you don't express gratitude to the person who helped, what are you communicating to that person? Hey, thanks, but no thanks really. You may be thankful, but the fact that you did not show them thanks, that you did not say thank you, you leave the one who helped you with a feeling of rejection. We may not realize that sometimes, but when somebody goes out of the way and they do something for you, it's not like they're looking to be thanked, but the proper and the right thing to do is to show thanks. And when you don't, you leave them sort of hanging. And nine of them left Jesus basically hanging. One comes back. And maybe we think, hey, you know what? They know I'm thankful. They might have been going, he knows we're thankful. (laughs) He's a Jew. He knows it, right? Did he know? Okay, he's Jesus. He knew. But sometimes we use that excuse with each other. Oh, they know I love them. Oh, they know I'm thankful. Listen, you know how many times I heard my mom and dad say I love you and I told them I love you growing up? I can't count them on this these two hands, 
because there's only one hand. I can really remember when I said I love you to my mom and dad. My mom and dad said I love you to me. Now listen, we have a very loving family. No doubt about it, okay? I know my mom and dad love me. I love my mom and dad. I love my brother and sister. I, I think they love me. Um, but we knew we were a loving family. But I very rarely remember ever hearing the words love you. I really don't. We saw them written. Yeah, we write them down. But I really don't remember hearing it. And then as we got older in life, then we realized we need to start verbalizing this. And then every time I saw mom and dad, it was a hug and a kiss and an I love you. Every time. It's something we've carried on into our family, reminding each other that we love each other with hugs and kisses and, and verbal I love you. You know, that, that's what we do. So I always thought, well, they know. They know I'm thankful. They know I love them. Do they? I don't want to sound overdramatic or anything like that, but sometimes this leads us to wondering, though, when we don't hear it, is there tension between us? They're not saying anything. They haven't told me they love me lately. They haven't said thank you. I wonder if there's something going on between us. And when you wonder if something's going on between you, guess what? It starts escalating in your thoughts and your minds, and things start getting over, overly, uh, I don't know, dramatized in a sense. And it can lead to further problems. And this lack of gratitude will often communicate a message of rejection. And unexpected gratitude may also reflect another thing, too. It might reflect the fact that you're just sort of proud. That you're like, you know what? Why should I tell you thank you? You're supposed to do that. Why do I need to tell my mom thanks for making dinner? That's her job. Ooh. <laughs> I can feel some sharpness in that one, right? I don't know if you've ever lived uh, or, I'm sorry, traveled to a foreign country. Uh, we've had an opportunity many times to go to the Dominican Republic on mission trips and to serve there. And when you get to a third world country and, and you walk into the, this nation that is completely different than the one you grew up in, your eyes start to get open to things. When we, when we would travel to San Juan de la Maguana, we pull into this, this, this town that was... Oh, boy, are they third world country. Um, you can live on $3 a day there. That's what people do. They live on $3 a day. I'm like, I can't even go to a fast food place and live off of 3 bucks, right? For one meal, let alone all day. Clothing, electric, housing, food, $3 a day, right? And then if you want to go out and play ball or something like that, get a milk carton, cut it out, and, and you might want to hold on to the rest of it. You might want to use it for something else, but that's my ball glove. There's an old milk carton. That's how we play baseball. Until maybe I can find somebody, uh, maybe an American missionary that comes over and brings some ball gloves, and now I've got one. Or maybe my dad maybe get a job if he doesn't uh, bet on the chickens or spend it on alcohol. Then I might have some money and be able to get a ball glove. And if, if we can get to the Capitol or somewhere where we can find some ball gloves, right? Trash has value. Women have a, maybe a two-room shack, the, the family does, and they're out there sweeping. And I, and it always amazed me. They're sweeping their, their little house, their little shack, and it's a dirt floor. I'm thinking, you're sweeping a dirt floor. It does not make any sense to me. But that's what they do, right? And I remember playing uh, one time with the kids, and, and we had, I don't know if you've ever seen a magician, when sometimes they start pulling something out of their mouth, all of a sudden they keep pulling and pulling and pulling, and it's like this big magic trick. And we had some of these, these tricks that I would do with the kids, and that was one of them. And I had one time, and I was like pulling it out, pulling out. And I had this big pile of paper mache paper from, from this trick. And it was just, you know, to me that's garbage, right? These kids just 
dog piled on top of it. And they grabbed another thing and they, they're gone. They're like, what just happened? Next day we're walking to the barrio and, and the mom, uh, or the little, one of the little boys, like, Americano, Americano, aquí, aquí. And he's like, and I'm like, okay, I don't speak much Spanish. Well, I speak very little. And, but I understood those words. So I followed him into his little house. And in his little house, he's like, he's like, Americano. And he like points up to the wall. And up on the wall was some of that paper mache that it was hanging up on the wall. And I'm thinking, yeah, you got my trash on your wall. You know, I'm, that's what I'm thinking. And he's so proud of it. And then the mom comes in and she's like, ah, Americano. And she looks at her son so proud. And then I realize, like, that's art that's valuable to them. My trash was their value. And I'm like, ah, what kind of world am I living in? I'll never forget on a trip, um, you know, that we made to the Dominican and seeing how the kids, you know, you look at these kids, how they dress, they might wear that. All day, next day, next day, until they until it wears off of them. Then they maybe find something new, right? We're like, man, I got to change my clothes five times a day, right? And it's like, we are so blessed. We went to, uh, I remember middle school, we took them to Chicago to go to a, um, show them what it's like to live, uh, what it's like in the city compared to Wauseon. And we stayed at a, a, a homeless shelter for two days. And we pulled in with all of our junior high students and, and we had suitcases and, and, you know, we all set them off the side. They're all lined up and we all sat down in chairs. And the director from the, uh, from this homeless shelter came in and looked at us and then looked over at all of our luggage and looked at us. And, and then she started to share with us. She goes, you know, I'm glad you guys are here. You have more luggage for two days. We're only staying there Friday night and Saturday night for two days than the people that live here in their apartments. And we're like, it, it really hit us. We're like, we felt really guilty. It's like, we're just here for the weekend. We got more stuff than the people who live here. And then she stops. She goes, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to know you're blessed. You are blessed. Don't feel guilty because you have so much. God's blessed you with it. Just make sure you thank him for it. And I really appreciated her words because I was feeling guilty and not that I wanted to be relieved of my guilt, but be reminded of my blessings and of what I have and how there are others in need. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. I'll put some of this up on the screen for you. In, in this scripture, Paul's basically talking to Timothy saying, hey, I want you to know this in the last days. This is what it's going to be like. And he says, you should know this, Timothy. In the last days, there's going to be very difficult times. People will only love themselves. They're only going to love their money. They'll be boastful. They'll be proud. They'll be scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Verse 3 goes on to say, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others. They'll have no self-control. They'll be cruel. They'll hate what is good. They'll betray their friends. They'll be reckless. They'll be puffed up with pride. They'll love pleasure rather than God. They'll act religious. They'll reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. I mean, Paul just lists off this big list of all the way it's going to be in the end times. The way, the way our culture is going to be, the way the world's going to be, right? And there's so much in all these verses. But if you, if you look back at, at verse 2, in the middle of all these descriptions of this, the world, the way it's going to be, he says, do you see the word ungrateful? 
For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and consider nothing sacred. In other words, unholy. Paul tells us that, you know what society is going to be like? We're going to, it's, people are just going to be ungrateful. They're not going to be thankful for anything that they have. Matter of fact, the Greek word is aharistos, uh, which means uh, to be ungrateful, to be unthankful. But if you take that letter A off the beginning of it, you got haristos, which means to be grateful or thankful, right? But the way it's used in Greek means basically this. When you put that A in front of it, it means to be, we were once thankful and grateful, but now we're no longer that way. We're ungrateful and we're unthankful. We're going in a different direction. That's what that word is saying. We used to be so thankful, but now we are no longer thankful. We used to show gratitude for everything, but now we are ungrateful for all these things. We no longer focus on our blessings that we've been given. Instead, we want more. I need the next upgrade. I need the next new thing. I need this. And it's like, but I've already got all this. Yeah, but I need more. I mean, you know. Are you not thankful for what you already have? Why do you need another one? That's sort of what Paul's saying. That's the kind of world we're going to be growing into and at the end times. And really, the only other place where that word is found in the New Testament is in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 35. We've got the scripture on the screen. It says, Jesus said this, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you'll truly, look at this, be acting as children of the Most, of the most High. For he is kind to those who are, there comes that word, unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Jesus is basically saying this, how we treat people with compassion and kindness matters. For even God shows his enemies Love and compassion. God shows those who are ungrateful and unthankful compassion and love. And here Jesus connects unthankfulness with evil. He puts them right together. He's basically letting us know unthankfulness and evil. He's like, he's letting us know when we are unthankful, guess what? We are harboring a sin in our life. We are criminal against God when we are ungrateful. Sometimes we're thinking it's not a bad thing, it's a sin. When we start looking in Scripture and we see how it's so connected to evil and ungodliness. See, if we're a Christian, we should know this. But if, if we're not a Christian and we're not saved, there, there may be a selfish spirit within our heart that says, hoard, gain, keep, don't worry about saying thankful, I'm thankful to you, or I'm thankful to that. It's ingratitude, let it dwell, right? But Paul says, that's unholy. And when we become Christians, when we ask Christ to come into our life, he makes us holy. And when we become holy, ingratitude has no room in our hearts. It should be replaced with gratitude. When people stop expressing a heart of gratitude toward God, that unholy attitude attributes to negative behavior, unholy behavior. So how do, we, how do we change this? How do we remedy this? Sort of like sin. If it is sin, which it is, we need to confess it, right? You remember, let's go back to the story in Luke 17. Ten men start, they're, they're changed, they're walking, and what does one do? It says one turns. 
You know what repent means? Repent means to turn from one direction and go the other direction. He turns from the direction he was going and he turns back to Jesus. Repent means to turn away from your sin and turn to God. He turns to Jesus and he goes to Jesus and he gets on his knees and he starts praising him. Thank you. So when we sense that ingratitude coming into our life, we need to stop, repent of it, and turn around and say, God, I'm sorry. I feel like I've been ungrateful. Forgive me of that. Help me to be more grateful. Help me to be more thankful for what you've given me. Help me to count my many blessings. So name them one by one, right? Uh, the, the book of Psalm 103.2, David says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. It's like David sits down, let me list all the benefits. Let me list all the incredible things that God's been doing for me. And he maybe starts naming them. In that moment of difficulty, David paused to remind himself, you know what? God is pretty amazing. We just sang that, right? We just sang three songs back to back to back that were just talking about how great God is. How great you are, right? And I don't know what it was about today singing, but today I think I heard more coming from behind me when I was right here. More coming from behind me than I was hearing coming from up here. And I don't know what the worship team says, but I could just hear you all singing loud today. And it was very encouraging. Before you do anything else today, take a few minutes. Go to God and say, God, thank you. And express to him what you're thankful for. For the wonderful things that he has done for you. Because here's the thing. Sometimes we're so tempted to feel sorry for ourselves. Instead of thanking God for what he's done for us. And when we start worrying about all the stuff that we don't have, then we got to start wondering what's going on in here. When you're thankful, it not only changes your attitude, but it changes the environment around you. Go, when you, go back to Luke. Go back to Luke. When you look in Luke, remember what, he was, remember what um, Luke said this man was? He gave him a name. He gave him a title. He was a what? A Samaritan. Luke points it out. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, he's a Samaritan. He's the enemy. Right? They hate each other. The Samaritan drops the, the Samaritan drops his rivalry. Runs to Jesus. Gets on his knees. Praises God. That's what the love of God can do to us. The love of God can change that ungrateful heart, that ingratitude, and he can wipe that out and change it just like that. It's an amazing thing what God can do, right? So let me ask you this. These ten men, they were stuck. They had a, they're on death row, right? They're going nowhere in life. And Jesus comes along, and what does he do? He helps them move forward in life. He meets them right where they're at, right? He goes, I'll heal you. Go. And they got up. And they were able to move forward in life. Let me ask you this. Who has helped you move forward in life? Who has helped you get unstuck from a place in life? Who has who's spoke truth into your life and said, you know, I didn't want to hear it, but they, they, they shared truth with me. They've helped me. Who do you need to say thank you to? Who is that person? Was it a coach? Was it a teacher? Was it a family member? Here's my challenge to you, okay? Because that person helped you get from one spot in life to another spot in life. Go thank them. I want to challenge you to verbally thank them. Look them in the eyes, call them, okay? It's like, oh, I'll text them. No, 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 okay? That's the easy way out. And we text all the time, right? We, we email all the time. That's okay, okay? I'm not saying that's bad. It's good stuff. I'm just saying amp it up. 
Now, if you don't text, you don't email, and you don't say thank you, maybe you got to start there, okay? Maybe just, I really never do this, but I'm going to send a thank you. Good. That's a good start. If you do that all the time, then I'm going to challenge you to amp it up and go verbally or face-to-face, eye-to-eye. Here's why. Because I believe, I believe they need to see it. They need to hear it. And here's the thing. If you receive that thank you from that person, here's what you do. Ah, no problem. No, stop that, okay? Look at them back and say, you're welcome. Um, sometimes I'll reply back with a, one of my favorites, and that is my pleasure. It's like, oh, you're a Chick-fil-A guy, right? So, yeah, it's my pleasure. Because instead of saying no problem, because then it sounds like it was a problem, right? Um, so you say, hey, my pleasure. Sometimes you'll see uh, on some of my emails I put my pleasure, his glory. Because that's what it is. When somebody says thank you, guess what? We were reflecting Christ, and it's not for our glory. It's for his glory. That's why we say you're welcome. I did this for him, not, uh, not for me. I, I, listen, there's times when you're not going to feel that gratitude, that thankfulness. I, I've kept a, a drawer full of notes, okay? And, and why do I have I kept all those notes? And not all of them. I mean, there's times I get thank yous, and it's like, oh, that's, that's, it's encouraging, okay? Sometimes I take those thank you notes, and I put them in a drawer, and I pull them out. You know why? Because every now and then I wonder, am what I doing, does it matter? Does it matter what I do in my life? Does it matter, you know, because we all have those moments of insecurity, right? Okay, and I have those moments. It's like, does it really matter? And then I pull out and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, good. And I can see that I got a, a folder that was given to me with all kinds of thank yous from when I left uh, my previous church. And, and they, they, they wrote that really nice thing for me. And it's like I've held on to that. And I've actually on my emails, um, I've got all these different mailboxes like, like church or coaches or uh, maybe team times or something. You know, and I just, that email, I save a lot of my emails, I just drop them over. And I got one that said encouragement. When I get an encouraging email, it's like, yeah, boom, keep it in there. Why? Because I want to go back and read it again. And on my phone, I, you know, sometimes maybe I get a voicemail. I've got two, I've, I've saved only two voicemails. Uh, a lot of time I get rid of them, I dump them. But I've, I've kept two, and, and I can't tell you why I've kept these two on my phone. Um, but one of them, one of them is, is from Julian Delgado. Back when uh, Mike Fogarty's mother passed away and did the funeral, um, I got a phone call from Julian, and I missed it, and he left me a long message. And basically had gone back to work. He was at the funeral that day and went back to work, and somebody at work had come to the funeral and had said some really kind things about myself. And he, Julian just shared about how... Um, he appreciated me and, and uh, said some really kind words. How many years ago was that, Jamie? What's that? Three and a half years? So I've, I've kept that on my phone. And it's like, why? I, I don't know. I just, every now and then I need to be reminded, right? So please understand this. When you thank somebody verbally or with a written note, you might think it was just a moment of saying, showing some gratitude, but for that person, they might hold on to that. That might be something they will need later as well. So I want to encourage you. This is a week of Thanksgiving we focus on. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. This is a week of Thanksgiving in which we focus on and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? But I want you to understand, why do we say thanks? It is such the right thing to do. And to not show thanks is actually sinful. So I want to encourage you, be more vocal in giving your thanks. Be more appreciative in showing it. Because uh, here's what I believe. I believe everybody in this room is very thankful. I believe everybody in this room is, has a heart of gratitude. I really do believe that. But I just want to encourage you to share it more. 
Because you're sharing your gratitude to somebody. I believe when Jesus was like, one comes back, what was he like? He was like, weren't there nine of you? (laughs) Where's the other nine at? I'm sure they're thankful. But I think Jesus was a little disappointed that they didn't at least say thanks. Right? Which one do you want to be? You want to be the one at the feet of Jesus that said thanks? Or you'll be one of the nine that you were thankful. You just didn't want to express it back to him. I want to encourage you to be like the one. Be like the one. Come back to Jesus. Tell him thank you. Would you stand please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are an amazing and mighty God. I thank you, Lord, for all that you've given us. God, even while I was sinning, you thought of me and you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. God, all of us in this room, we've all have sinned. We've all fallen short of your glory. And yet you still love us and that you still forgive us. And you say, I'll, I'll help you live this new life. I give you my very own spirit to walk in victory and power. God, thank you for that. Because I've accepted that gift. God, I pray others in this room, all the others, everyone in this room has accepted that gift. God, I pray if there's somebody in this room today that has never accepted that gift, your son, Jesus Christ, that today, right where they're standing, right now, they'll admit it. I've never prayed that prayer. I've never asked Jesus to forgive me my sins. Right now, right where we're at, God, forgive us of our sins pray that. We ask that. God, you said you're faithful to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness, our our mistakes, our sins. So God, thank you for forgiving us. God, thank you for giving us your spirit so that we can live a new life in victory, so that we don't have to walk alone. Thank you, God, for my brothers and my sisters in Christ who believe the same that I believe. We believe in your word. We believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to you except through Jesus Christ. So God, we believe that. God, thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, as we live out this week of moving to a holiday of Thanksgiving, we might want people to look at us and say they've got it all together. We don't. God, the filter we ask that you just sort of place upon us is that that attitude of gratitude, a thankful heart. God, help us put that filter on. Remove that ungratefulness. Help us to tell people, look them in the eye, shake their hand, give them a hug, verbally tell them, call them up. If need be, we'll text them, we'll email them as well. But help us to show that thanks. But help us to say thanks to you first. We love you, God. We sing to you now. In thy name we pray. Amen.